This is the first Christmas we've had together in years. I love you guys. I'm making up for some lost time. Authorities are wondering if the masked vigilante who terrorized the city's underworld is back. The past has caught up with me. Should we be worried? No, no, it's nothing. I'll be home for Christmas. I promise. It's the most wonderful time. When I wore this suit, I made a whole lot of enemies. You're a Hawkeye. Who the hell are you? Some people have actually called me the world's greatest archer. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Film Code. We are so happy you are joining us. And we are starting a brand new series. We are returning to the MCU. And I've got my good buddy here with me, Phoenix. Phoenix, how you doing? Oh, I'm super awesome, baby. Let's do it. <laughs> a man, a few words. We love to hear it. He's just so excited <laughs> to talk about it. My name is Nathan Pig. Thank you guys so much for being here, listening to Film Code. And if you clicked on it, you know exactly what we're talking about. And that is the new MCU show, Hawkeye. And man, can't believe we're finally talking about this. Oh, yeah. I mean, this has been, who? It's been a minute. Uh, I, I, I think I can still remember, what was it? It was probably D, D23, 2017, 16. I don't know when they announced that they were doing a Hawkeye series, like it was a long time ago. And, you know, that's how long in advance Marvel has these plans, you know what I'm saying? They, they probably shot it, announced it, and then it sat in a can till 2021. And now here it is. We get it right in the husk of uh, the holiday season, which I love. I love that it's set uh around christmas time so it's just it's just awesome for me so uh yeah hawkeye first two episodes already on their way that's right so we will be diving into the first two episodes of hawkeye uh at the time that this episode is dropped that is the only two episodes that are out um at the time that we are recording this it's the same day that hawkeye dropped so we're nice and prompt as we normally are for mcu shows so this is the fifth mcu show um if we are counting what if which we are so it's the fourth live action mcu show of course this follows a clint barton as hawkeye and stars Haley steinfeld as well as kate bishop got some other uh notable actors in there as well vera ferigma is one of them a very notable actress from her time in movies as well so a uh, great cast first of all oh, and yeah just really excited to to see so many familiar names too i think the mc of course always does a solid job casting and who doesn't want to be in the mcu except <laughs> villeneuve and ridley scott but 
most actors want to be in the MCU. Right. So it's good to see so many familiar faces. But um, yeah, let's just get straight into it, Phoenix. What were your anticipation levels for Hawkeye leading up to it? Because we know what they were at the start of 2021. But let's say this morning when you knew you had a new episode to watch, what, what was your anticipation like? Um. Okay, I, I won't lie. I was sort of anywhere between mixed and and uncertain. You know, what I'm saying I was I was just a little scared because um, Hawkeye is a character that I I I actually really enjoy, um, but seeing him like in a solo effort. Uh, it just seemed a little weird to me. Like it was a, it was one of those things where I was like, I just don't know how this is gonna go. You know, what I'm saying I'm just not sure how they're gonna play it. And also, there's this, um, there's an issue with the fact that both Hawkeye and Black Widow's, I think, solo stories have come a little bit too late. Like, you know, what I'm saying I feel like Black Widow, the movie itself, should have been. In, in between 2015 and 2017 but honestly I felt like she should have had a movie in like 2013 2014 to be honest and same with Hawkeye like so to me like both of them getting their their solo projects in 2021 is just feels a little bit late so that was that was really my only concern was like with it coming so late and him having played the character now uh, almost what 10 12 years now um you know we're we're getting hawkeye now which is great you know what i'm saying and we get the introduction of kate bishop which is great so it's a cool thing that we get to do sort of bridging the gap between where we were and where we'll where we're going but i would have loved to have seen like badass hawkeye you know what i'm saying first avengers movie hawkeye or even before then hawkeye or, or a Ronin series, anything like that, where, you know what I'm saying, we get to see Hawkeye as his most lethal self. Uh, so coming into it, I was a little bit underwhelmed, like just not sure exactly how I would feel about it. Uh, so that's why I kind of waited till late in the day to finally watch it. But uh, I knew we were recording, so I was like, yeah, let me knock it out. And uh, yeah. For me, I was pretty excited. I think this is the most excited I've been of the five MCU shows. Um, by no means was I speeding home from work to watch it. Um, but this is the most excited I've been about any MCU show. I don't know what it is. Um, I did watch the trailer, which if you know me, you know our shows. You know I don't do that for 99% of things. Uh, but I did watch the trailer for this, and I thought it was... Really exciting. Like you said, they captured the Christmas element well. I think from what I could tell in the trailer, um, the relationship between Kate Bishop and Clint was going to be pretty good. And it was just captivating. And this more down-to-earth, kind of grounded storyline, I mean, I know we're talking about the MCU and how fictitious it is, but a more grounded, semi-realistic storyline compared to all the mythical and space type stories it's just more my style um and, and i was looking forward to that element of it we're quick to forget that hawkeye was not in infinity war mm. because he had such a crucial part in endgame and it's been announced for a while that he's getting his own tv show and of course here it is now 
But I think we're quick to forget that this man wasn't even in Infinity War. Right. And I think this is big for Kevin Feige, for Marvel, for turning the corner on how they write this character. Because make no mistake about it, they didn't inc- they didn't leave Clint out of Infinity War solely for the purpose of setting up this story. Sure, that could have been, been an intention down the line, but it was because he didn't really have a place in their story. He wasn't the best written character as is. Right. Um, I just, that blows me away. He wasn't even in the second biggest MCU film, the best <laughs> MCU film. And now here he is as, as his own show. That is what I love about what the MCU is doing though, is they're giving these shows to characters um, who otherwise would not get the spotlight. So credit them for that big time. Absolutely. So and get go go ahead. No, I was gonna say to that point, like one of the, the films in the MCU that endears me to Hawkeye was Avengers Age of Ultron. And I understand that movie gets shot on a lot, but uh the best scene in Age of Ultron is when uh Hawkeye, you know, Clint takes him <clears throat> to his house and we meet his wife and his family and his kids. Just that story alone just you know saying having meeting those people meeting you know his family and all of that is is the the best written part about that character is you know saying we're getting to see deeper into him and into what drives him into what moves him and what he's out to protect and that that alone I think created the basis for me wanting to see more of Hawkeye just because I I know what he's about now absolutely Absolutely. So um, for Hawkeye, filming began in early December of 2020. Dun, dun, dun. So this very much was pushed back due to the state of the world in 2020. Um, But considering them starting filming in 2020, uh, December 2020, that is, I know that it's now late November and we're close to a year from when they started. I still find that impressive that they were able to literally start shooting and wrap everything up. You know, they've had this done for at least a couple months as well. So I find that impressive and um, getting just straight into the the show now. Got to start with that opening scene of the show. Of course, Mm -hmm. I love what the MCU is doing now. I, I used to, when we talked about WandaVision a lot, I used to bash the MCU first, you know, yes, this is a cinematic world, and I love everything they're doing as far as connecting the stories and connecting the characters. But there was a time where the MCU was just saying, oh, yeah, Falcon's going to show up in the Ant-Man movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, Iron Man's going to show up in, in Spider-Man. And that was really the only thing they were doing to connect the movies. There wasn't right, right. much of anything else, as well as, you know, the movie you're watching sets up another movie. Like, right. you know the ending of um, Black Panther setting up Bucky's story and countless end credit scenes setting up the next movie. Outside of that, there was never anything really connecting. It started in Spider-Man Homecoming where we saw, you know, Michael Keaton's character, Vulture, being motivated by the cleanup right. from the Chitauri in the 2012 new Battle of New York. And we see it again here. So I love that. It makes it a more complete world makes it feel like there's more stakes. And I just, I, I love that. I love that. And the fact that 
that whole scene was shot so well. And, and it was really a, a huge bang to start off the series. What did you think? I, I 100% agree with that point. Uh, yeah, like you're, you're, you're spot on where for the longest time it was just, you know, maybe a cameo here or, you know, saying a, a wink and a nod, you know, that that was like the, the extent of their um, involvement in other stories. Uh, which I'm not gonna lie, like I I could I could see why it was like an issue, but I also like that because it was like you know we keep things a little bit separate, let each character build their own world. Um, but I, I love what you what you said about that. Like it does make it feel it does create more stakes when you you see the other people in that world that you know weren't involved and how they how they saw the Avengers and everything like that. So I love that opening sequence. I thought it was great. What I thought immediately was, man, we came a far away for TV budgets. And <laughs> it's not something that I particularly research or anything like that. But of course, we're talking about Disney. We're talking about easily the biggest thing in pop culture right now and what has been for the last half decade. I know the mm-hmm. MC has been around longer than that, but as far as cultural relevance, it's been dominating the world. Um, man, TV budgets have come a long way. Now, could a CBS show do this? No. no. But for a TV show to be investing that much money, especially for the opening scene, I loved it. I loved oh, that. Yeah, yeah they, put, they, they put a lot of bank behind that because uh, for anyone who doesn't know, I don't know how you missed this, but the first Avengers was shot in Cleveland. That's right. And so what I really enjoyed was like, not only did they obviously incorporate the shots that they did from uh, Avengers, but they they had to like digitally put this new character in this new building in that same area. You know what I'm saying? So like that whole scene is money. That whole scene is visual effects because you're 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 adding a new building you're adding a new character you're adding a new shot to stuff that was already there so it's like yeah yeah it's all money on that that was great stuff absolutely so then we transition into um adult kate bishop or grown-up kate bishop and showing how you know the events of new york and the events of her childhood have affected her life i do i do want to say one thing (laughs) i gotta get this out um We'll we'll get more into it as as we go on through the episode. But uh, one thing that was true throughout at least the entire first episode, maybe a little bit in the second, the dialogue on in these first two episodes, who is <laughs> some really cringy stuff in this. I'm not gonna lie, it's some like borderline just unbelievably cheesy. Like. Maybe it's cheesy. Maybe it's just me recognizing the Marvel formula at this point, but it was just so bad. Like I knew for without a shadow of a doubt when her mom said, is there anything I can get you? I knew for a fact she was going to say, I need a bow and arrow. I was like, oh God. And then she said, I was like, of course, like there it is. It's just super cheesy. There's like the uplifting sort of light music as she's going to get the, the checkers board. And as soon as I hear it, I'm like, something's about to happen. <laughs> like, Whatever it is, something's about to happen because it's just, it's too light, it's too playful, and immediately something's about to be like doom and, you know, we're about to switch tones. 
And of course, it was the, you know, attack of uh, the Chitari. So, yeah, like, you know, stuff like that, where it's just like, we we know the formula Marvel and it, it, it's like, switch it up, just switch it up. Cause it was, it was becoming annoying, but the dialogue is, is atrocious and especially in that first episode. <laughs> yeah, for me, it, it had its moments. There were definitely times where it was, it pulled me out of the show. And I was saying to myself, yeah, I, <laughs> that's not how people talk to talk each other. Not I don't care if it's strangers. I don't care if it's mother, daughter. <laughs> that's nobody talks to each other like that. <laughs> to me, it, it wasn't as bad as you were making it out to be in my mind. But at the uh, end of the day, I, I still well, think it was it was weak. But you, but the, the thing was, you noticed them like I did were, notice. Yeah, it, yeah. There, there were just a few moments where you're like, uh, <laughs> So yeah, it was just it was it was noted and I had to I wrote it down. So that that was definitely one of them. I think the transition worked really well to showing what happened in her youth and how that is affecting her now. And just that time jump. I, I think that did work pretty well. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, and I love how they use the uh the opening credits to sort of detail her montage of like fencing martial arts swimming like you know she's very athletic very you know i'm saying championship driven very good you know archery pretty much everything so they use the the opening credits which were very well done i'm not gonna lie the style of the opening credits was amazing but i noticed that they use that to pretty much just get us to the point where it's like we go from that moment in 2012 to this moment uh now of you know everything that she's learned and everything that she's picked up all because of that instant uh, in incident in 2012. One thing we got to talk about that you were singing uh, before we got on the air live. Yeah, you were singing pre-show that Captain America play musical. Oh man! I know Why you want to talk about that. Oh, of course you know I want to talk about. <laughs> you know listen listen i have a firm belief okay a firm belief that every single movie on earth every single one no matter how good or how bad it is is improved dramatically by turning it into a musical <laughs> period <laughs> every right. movie well that was not where i was expecting <laughs> you to go with that every movie and so the avengers as a musical is brilliant and as cheesy and as god awful as they wanted to make that scene look, I was loving it. <laughs> okay, when I told you, loving it, seeing uh, Adam Pascal from Rent as a as a General Ross was hilarious. See, like all of the 
you know, actors playing the Avengers was great. Why was Ant-Man there? Can anyone explain that for me? Like, why, why on earth did they think Ant-Man was a part of the battle in, a, in New York? I have no idea. But I love the song. Of course it was called I Can Do This All Day with Steve Rogers singing it. I thought it was hilarious. It was, it was great. It, it was probably terrible, probably cheesy, but I do not care. It was a musical. I loved it. I thought it was great. <laughs> I feel like the phrase it's so bad that it's good is misused way too often. But this musical is the definition of it's so bad. It's good. Let me explain that real quick. This is so realistic for what would happen. Oh yeah. If anything like this ever happened in our lifetime, they'd let some time pass and they would make it the most cheesy. Mm-hmm. just squeeze the sponge dry to make as much money as they can. They'd turn it into this giant sales and marketing ploy to people's tragedies. People died in this. We literally saw it like 10 minutes before (laughs) Kate lose her father. And now we're making fun of it. Like this is so realistic for what we would do as a culture I just want to say, like, I'm pretty sure the longer the musical went on, you know what I'm saying? There there were some somber moments, but yeah, we just, we just got that, that one. And, (laughs) and it was so cringy, but that's exactly what it was going for that it nailed it. It was so cringy. It was secondhand (laughs) embarrassment. I was sitting here watching it by myself and I was embarrassed. And that's exactly what they're going for. And the fact that they pulled that off, that is the definition of it was so bad that it was good. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, if, if cringe was what they were aiming for, they nailed it. Nailed it easily. I mean, I just think it's hilarious that they got a Broadway legend like uh, Adam Pascal to play just, you know, a minor role in this. I sincerely, sincerely hope that Rogers the Musical comes back into this series at some point. I don't care what point, <laughs> I do not care. I don't care if at the end of it, they're like, you know what? That musical wasn't half bad. Let's go watch it again. Like, yes, <laughs> like I want them to come back to this, revisit Rogers the Musical. I think it was hysterical. It had all the right just drip of like, really? <laughs> It was, it was great. I mean, great. It was fantastic. <laughs> the rest of the episode moves along, and there are certain things that happen, of course, to drive the story forward with the um, you know, new marriage that Vera Farigma's character, the mother of Kate Bishop, gets into, and then the secret auction going on in the basement. Yeah. And... I feel like things just happen so unnaturally. And I know we're watching a show and I don't need to see characters, you know, do irrelevant things. That's not what I'm saying. Something just didn't feel right. And I just finished watching the episode. So I haven't had a ton of time to, to think clearly on my thoughts and how I want to phrase that. Mm-hmm. It just felt like things didn't click as well as I thought they would, you know, like, uh, Kate Bishop goes to a party and then she 
ends up coincidentally in the basement serving drinks where she's not supposed to. She sees something she's not supposed to. Then the hijackers come and and then yeah. she's thrown into action and then she meets Clint Barton. Like it's it's I don't know the verbiage of it quite yet, but it just I, feels unnatural. I think I got it. Uh, it. It definitely feels. Oh, Jesus. I, I wouldn't I don't know if it's rushed, but it's like. Contrived, I, I, I think that's the word you're looking for It's contrived. It's like we have to find some way to get this character who's been in our. Employ for the past. 13 years to meet this new character who we've never heard of until today. And they have really no reason to interact with each other, right? Their only moment of, you could say, interaction was in 2012 and he didn't even know she existed. So again, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it's, it's, we got to find a way and it's a long stretch. You ever hear that phrase? Like, it's a long walk for like a, a short drink of water or whatever it is. Like, that's what it was. It was like, we got to find, it's a lot of steps we got to get to, to get these two people to meet each other. And it was the engagement. It was her going to the party. It was her overhearing what's happening in the hotel. It was her talking with this random guy. It was her following these people. It was her seeing this auction. It was her having the the hijacking it was her stealing the suit it was all of this stuff just so we could get to these people to meet and it was very very contrived it was like okay like i know we have to get here but it was like that's a lot of steps <laughs> to get to this point yeah i i like your explanation for that i feel like there could have been a more organic way for them to meet yeah. and of course he needed to chase her and have a reason to actually interact with her because as we've seen throughout the first couple episodes numerous people recognize hawkeye whether they care to talk to him they still actually recognize him um and he doesn't care he's used to the limelight by now yeah um what else did you want to talk about from episode one i do want to touch on one thing that i loved and that is the casting of Haley steinfeld <laughs> i um I, I was in love with this casting when they announced it but this is the show this is this is the work right this is what she actually did and i gotta say man oh man i love it i i love it i think she's incredible as kate bishop i love the chemistry that she has with jeremy renner um I love just the way her character interacts with him. I think they have it's it's great, and she's fantastic. Her line delivery is amazing. I, I loved it. I loved everything about it. I thought I thought she was the best possible choice for this role. Haley Steinfeld was 13 years old mm-hmm. when they filmed True Grit. Yeah, and she was acting alongside the likes of Jeff Bridges, Josh Brolin, Matt Damon. And she was nominated for an Oscar for that movie. She did not win. But she was 13 years old when they filmed and she was nominated. So nobody's denying that she's a great actress. And you're absolutely right. Um, She pulled it off. Jeremy Renner has been glowing about her. 
uh, on his Twitter. He's been saying very kind things. And Jeremy Renner has been very glowing Yes, about Haley Steinfeld's performance. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, one big thing that we did not touch on that we will talk about that happened in episode one is the murder mm. of the uncle of someone. I'm still a little lost there, but uh, his name is Armand Duquesne, Duquesne, the third, the third of seven of seven. Yes. Okay. Uh, speaking, Armand yes. was murdered. Yeah. Speaking back to my original point of, uh, the bad dialogue, he was the, central point of my <laughs> hatred on that i mean i yikes like you know how people be like um when you're when you're acting you don't want to make it seem like you're acting oh like, yeah he, I, yeah I, I, yeah, yeah i can see that <laughs> he was he was hitting the villain points really hard it was it was it was it was really noticeable. Him and the guy, I don't know his name, the one who plays um, Fear Farmiga's uh, fiance, they're both really hitting the, the slime and the villain, you know, sort of uh, aspect very, very hard. And yeah, it's just not what you do. <laughs> so he gets murdered near the end of the episode and we will go ahead and talk about that. So moving on to episode two, I'm loving that the MCU is dropping in these two episodes. Yeah, uh, they didn't they do it for Loki or Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but they did it for WandaVision. And I, mm-hmm. I like dropping two episodes at once. That's that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to episode two, of course, we get truly now Hawkeye and Kate hanging out, getting to spend some time together. Oh. And this was more of the same for me dialogue-wise. <laughs> Like trying to write in the witty humor where it just didn't fit. Like there are people trying to kill you. Why are you yeah. cracking jokes? Yeah. Well, I mean, I can I can sort of understand that one because like Hawkeye, truthfully, like you could argue before we got Spider Man, Hawkeye was probably the most sarcastic. Mm up there with Tony Stark, I would say, <laughs> like member of the Avengers, where it was like, you know, I, I know I'm gonna be okay. I know I'm gonna get out of this sort of situation. So he was fine with being a little bit more sarcastic. So I understand it with him. It was with others for me in episode two, and we'll get to that later, where it was like a bit too much. <laughs> yeah, so in episode two, they... um burned down Kate Bishop's apartment, which I feel like is completely under talked about the whole episode. (laughs) Like she's a teenager, a young adult. She's somewhere in that age range. And she is just not a care in the world that her apartment just burned down. Yeah. Am I right? Am I wrong? I mean, I think she, she definitely gives a line or two about it you know she says like oh man all my stuff and you know saying she's upset about that um it just doesn't carry throughout the rest of the episode you know what I'm saying it's uh she's sort of kind of brazen with it and um and I think the idea is that she's so taken with the fact that she's you know close to Hawkeye that it's sort of slipping her mind but yeah <laughs> 
young, you know what it is to be young and stupid and forget stuff and that's it. <laughs> but I, I don't know what it's like to have my apartment burned down. And hopefully I, ne- I never know what that's like. Right, right. Regardless, um, I, I'd still like the dynamic between Clint and Kate. Don't like the dialogue yet, but we'll see if that evolves here. Um, I want to know your thoughts on Clint's little journey to get the Ronin costume back with all the the Viking you know, role plays going on. That was, that was different. That was your thoughts on that. (laughs) Oh God. Um, (laughs) This is sort of feeding into what I said earlier about, you know, wishing that we had gotten a Hawkeye solo feature a lot sooner because now with, with, with Hawkeye being, you know, a little bit older, uh, we're leaning a bit more into the comedy than, you know, saying maybe we should. And this was, this was pure silliness. <laughs> like, like, and I know that there are people who do uh, live action role play. Nothing wrong with it, bro. Have at it. It looks like a blast. But in here, it just felt so weirdly out of place. And again, I think it was meant to bring Clint to a character that we're going to see later. Uh, Grills, I have no doubt in my mind, is going to pop up again uh, at some point uh, in this series. So that that's really what that was, was a way to introduce us to a character that we are going to get more familiar with later down the line. It was a, it was a, it was a great way to introduce some comedy if you want to call it that, it was very heavy, um, but, and very silly, but yeah, I think that was the sole point was just to get us to this character. What else did you want to talk about from episode two before we get to the ending? Um, so the one thing that I noticed, uh, yeah, so uh, back to my dialogue. Oh God. Oh God, the tracksuit mafia. <laughs> okay, listen, <laughs> I mean, Haley Steinfeld says what I what I was thinking, which was like, that's a little on the nose, isn't it? Like, yes, it is. But like, again, when when it, when we're talking about, you know, saying the, the humor, um, you know, saying he 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 catches one of their Molotov cocktails, he throws it back, lands on the dude, he's sort of dancing in it, and you know, they the shop owners come out and they they're having a discussion or whatever, and. You know, it goes back to them and they're like, you don't fire. You you was shish kebab. Like, I'm like, what is this? I'm like, you you literally tried to kill someone and you're standing there like, like as if you didn't try to set a building on fire and you're having like a back and forth discussion like children. I just thought it was weird. It was just weirdly placed. I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> the, the, I don't know what the, the tracksuit mafia is exactly going to be about this episode but oh man they (laughs) they are a group of characters that are not endearing themselves to me at all at this point (laughs) they don't really feel like a threat no (laughs) they don't they're not really that imposing right now the only thing that's really scary about them is there's unlimited of them right they're just coming from everywhere they've got an unlimited supply but and they have guns and that's pretty much it 
That's it. I mean, you know, if when you're talking about a, a superhero whose only power is bow and arrows, that doesn't do well against guns. So I guess they're a threat in that sense. Yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're right. They don't seem too educated. Um, so I want to talk about that ending. And I think it's a good cliffhanger for next week and where we leave off because we know these characters are, are going to walk away mostly unscathed with little consequence because there's four episodes left and nothing. We, we know that Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld are going to be in all the other episodes, of course. <laughs> but in this specific situation, I, I doubt there's much consequence. Um, but I, I, I still like where we're at with the end of this episode. Yeah, I thought that was a bit weird because... You know, the first two episodes of WandaVision were very sitcom heavy, but I really enjoyed those first two episodes. You know what I'm saying? They, they didn't really have a lot of conflict going on. There was still some mystery that they were setting up, but I thought there was enough intrigue there and enough like really cool things that they bring to it that, you know, it was really good for the first two episodes. Enough mystery to keep you guessing. Uh, the first two episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier were kind of a slow burn. Same with Loki. Same here. Like where it's just like, okay, I know we're getting somewhere, but it is it's taking longer than I feel like it needs to. And like, I, I really like the, the the mystery and all of that of of what WandaVision did, and it, it just sucks that we don't get that same thing here, or have haven't gotten it since. I I really couldn't agree with you more in the sense yeah. that these were two of the longer episodes that we've gotten from any MCU show. Yeah. And so far we have about 90 minutes worth of Hawkeye content about this. I, I don't feel like we're getting 90 minutes of content. If that makes any sense, there's right. 90 minutes of runtime. I don't feel like there's 90 minutes of substance, right? Like 90 minutes is a long time. That's <laughs> that's some movies. Right. And I just don't feel like we got very far. I feel like yeah. there wasn't much progress made. And it does worry me a bit because there's only four episodes left. Right. There's only four episodes left. And by no means am I saying this was bad or anything like that. It just for 90 minutes... And the amount of story we get, the progress is that's made, it's underwhelming from yeah. that standpoint. Yeah, I mean, like, I look at it like this. Um, I want to see what happens next because I feel like I haven't seen anything yet. Um, so I'm excited for that. But in terms of, and, and like, make no mistake, this has happened before, right? You know what I'm saying? You could argue Loki, Falcon, and Winter Soldier were the exact same way, where it's like, it wasn't until episode four for both of them, where it was like, oh, <laughs> oh, okay, we're in that place. So it's like, okay, you know what I'm saying? That's that's all it'll be. But like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It, for the first two episodes, it, it's not much going on but I know that eventually we'll get to that point. So I'm interested. I just wish that we got a little bit more in the first two to kick us off. I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. I was, 
I was a bit underwhelmed by these yeah. couple of episodes. And that's not to mean that it can't get better. Uh, that's not to mean that I think it was bad. I was just underwhelmed, especially because it wasn't 30 minutes an episode. It was almost 90 minutes worth of Hawkeye content. And sitting here right now, having just watched it, I can't really say I'm in that different of a spot than I was two hours ago when I hadn't watched any of it. Right. And that's a little bit unfortunate. I'm sure they will hit the ground running, um, especially when we get Florence Pugh coming in. (laughs) But for now, um, I'm a little bit underwhelmed. Right. I know the reaction is great online. If you love the the first two episodes, if you love the show so far, that's wonderful. That's great. This is one of the few times Phoenix and I agree. So I'm going to take it and run with it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I, I am in like, make no mistake. I think it's going to be very hard for Hawkeye to top WandaVision and Falcon and Winter Soldier in my eyes. I think it is. I think it's going to be hard. And right now, I don't see it happening, but I can be surprised. So if it turns out episode six is a banger and I'm like, holy cow, yes, love this, I'm all for it. But right now, you know, it's sitting comfortably behind Loki. Uh, so we'll see how it uh, it shapes out to be uh, once it, once it's all said and done. But I am intrigued. I do love the Christmas setting. I love Rogers the musical. Really hope to see more of that. Uh, really can't wait to see Florence Pugh when she jumps into this. Uh, so there there there's a lot more to get to, and I'm just I'm chomping at the bit for that. Let's talk real quick which episode did you like better one or two i am gonna go with episode two um i did like episode two better i do think the opening of episode one is is probably my favorite thing and and then there's you know rogers the musical which is just everything in the world to me but uh in terms of just getting more of the story and just you know what i'm saying getting more trying to figure everything out episode two you know, I was moving in that direction. And I did like a lot of the action in that episode. So yeah, episode two was, was probably my favorite. All right. Who do you think the killer is for um, Abad? What was his name? What'd you say? Armand. Armand. Ro- that's Armand what I said. Duquesne. Yeah. Uh, whew, that's a tough one. Actually, the, the obvious choice would be, would be Jack. But I, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised. I'm going to go way out of left field here. I'm going to say either Vera, uh, the mother character, or um, Armand Duquesne, the seventh, <laughs> that little boy. So those those are my like little shots in the dark, but I think those are probably more likely. Be, like I said, because they're hitting the villain uh, uh, stereotype so hard, it's leading me to believe that they're not actually. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's Jack because they, they're they just making it too obvious for yeah. that. They're right. making him so sketchy and such – you're right, like playing the villain card that I don't think it's him. That's why I'm 100% of the belief I will die on this hill that it's Mephisto. Oh, God. <laughs> 
Mephisto's the killer. He is the villain of Hawkeye. Kate Bishop's not even Kate Bishop. It's Mephisto <laughs> appearing to be Kate Bishop. Oh, that's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> I have no idea. I, I'm not even ready to comment on who that killer is yet. Yeah. Um, wonderful. Well, first two episodes, wrap it up in, in a couple sentences. I can wrap it up in one. Do it. Ready? I can do this all day. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> what a way to end. Well, hopefully you guys are still here listening to us. Hopefully you enjoyed us talking about the first two episodes of Hawkeye. Um, I still have high hopes for the show. Absolutely. I just needed to pick up, especially with only four episodes left. I needed to pick up. Um, Phoenix and I are in the same boat on that. We are going to be doing weekly episode reviews of this. So uh, however you listen to this, please subscribe. Please drop a like, a five star, whatever the rating system is. We would really appreciate this. And come back next week because we'll be talking about episode three. Um, If you are a huge MCU fan, you definitely want to stay involved and hear us talk about this. Phoenix, where can everyone find you? You guys can find me on Twitter at IMHOReviews1. That's the number one. And on Letterboxd under P.A. Clowden. And as always, please follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at FilmCodePod. Yes, absolutely. Phoenix just mentioned it. We are on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. All are at FilmCodePod. You're missing out on a great time over there. We talk about all types of things, movies and TV, new releases, old releases, challenging questions that'll make you decide what you like more. If you're a movie lover, if you're still listening to this point, you got to check us out on those platforms. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. My name is Nathan, and you can find me on those platforms I just mentioned, at FilmCodePod. Hit us up. We would appreciate it. However you listen to this, Please go ahead and check out our other episodes. We've done so much content. I know you will enjoy it. And we'll see you guys here next week. Peace. Peace.